So universal laws, part two. So let's talk about the fundamental laws that govern the universe. There are laws that govern and arrange everything that happens. They're laws, as obvious, as that sowing a specific seed will result in a specific tree. And sowing another type of seed will result in a different tree. Everything is governed by laws, nothing is by chance. Seven universal laws that give rise to all the other processes of manifestation, creation, operation and comprehension of the universe, which we also call evolution, can be arranged according to the functions that they fulfil. Just going back for a second to that chance. Nothing happens by coincidence. Everything's synchronistic. So, so I said the seven universal laws that give rise to all of the other processes of manifestation, creation, operation, and comprehension of the universe, which we call evolution, can be arranged according to the functions that they fulfil, which are law of love, law of manifestation, manifestation, the law of polarity, the law of evolution, the law of correspondence, the law of harmony, the law of nature. The three superior laws are the laws of creation. The superior law is the law of love. Since behind every purpose and every event always lies the principle of love. Creation happens as follows. First, the law of love contains a piece of information, for example, an idea in the mind. Then this manifests through the law of polarity, for example, with a board marker, which would be the masculine principle, and a board, which would be the feminine principle. Everything that has form is called creation. There are two types of creation, those of the universe, the absolute, and those of human beings. The latter are also in the absolute, because nobody can create something from nothing. Everything already exists as information. Man participates in the creative capacity of the universe, the absolute. So creation happens when the masculine principle acts with the feminine principle, and this interaction is governed by the law of polarity. The three elements, the masculine, the feminine, and the information that joins them, are essential for creation to occur. One, two, three. So it takes three things. One can't make anything, two can't make anything, three is the first time it can make something. So love can only be expressed through a pure, innocent mind, never through a mind that is contaminated with ideas of good and bad, blame, punishment, or vengeance. Therefore, the first thing we need to do for love to be expressed through us is to cleanse our minds of mistaken concepts. Only what is perfect is eternal. The imperfect is always temporary. So in this universe, nothing happens by chance. There's no good or bad luck. There are just laws that govern all that exists and all that happens. So technically we create our own luck. If we know these laws and learn to follow them, we can transform our lives, transform our luck. The universe and all its processes are within the law. It's functioning, it's perfect, and absolutely nothing happens that is outside it, because then nothing is possible. So even whatever seems absurd or unacceptable to us is governed by the exact laws that are specialised in managing apparent chaos and absurdity. For the universe, everything has a purpose and fulfils a specific function. All universal processes are permanent, eternal, constant, and immutable. Beings in the process of evolution that pass through them are what change, transform, or mutate continuously. And this process is governed by specific laws of the universe. So that could say, well, some are, some are back now, higher beings are back, try and bring balance. 
because the change of the energies that are coming through the evolution could have mutated. So there is no possibility of, of negotiation within the laws, as there is with human rules, laws and concepts. The laws have basically two functions, the superior laws governing creation, the inferior laws are the source of the understanding of creation. So the laws operate in two ways, downward. It governs the manifestation operation of the universe. There is a movement downwards to matter, a manifestation and creation, and then creation occurs. Upward. Then come the process of recognizing the law and understanding the universe, which enables us to ascend upwards to the superior levels, transcending the limitations of matter and attaining freedom from innocence and from all of the processes associated with ignorance, such as pain, illness, violence, suffering and death. There are three fundamental processes or principles in the universe, creation and the administration of creation, both governed by the superior laws. And then we've got the So said there are three fundamental processes or principles in the universe, creation and the administration of creation, both governed by the superior laws. And then the, call it the method of method and practice of teaching of creation, which is governed by the law of evolution. Superior laws handle a greater level of information than the inferior laws. And this is the reason for the order of hierarchy. Inversely, the inferior laws handle a greater number of processes in complexity than the superior laws. This is the reason for the density and lengthiness of the processes of evolution in the lower triangle, which can require approximately 39,000 years for the experience in human form. Whereas the human processes from the fourth to the seventh level of development of consciousness may take only around a thousand years. And some can get that in one lifetime. So let me give you a quick summary of the superior laws and their principal characteristics, followed by an explanation of them one by one. So love. This law holds the information that is the source of the creation of the universe. It permits the understanding of creation, the principle of evolution. It needs the other laws so that the preceding two principles can be fulfilled. It relates to the information that exists in the absolute and unmanifest archive of the essence of the self. Love as law is absolute wisdom. Then we have manifestation. This is the law that allows everything to manifest. Manifestation is the act of the unmanifest. It is the information that is shown, that exists beforehand, even though it has not been shown to our senses. The fact that we do not perceive something does not mean that it does not exist, but that it is not yet manifest. As an example, an aircraft propeller, when it is idle, you can see four blades. Yet when it's moving, you cannot see the blades. Thus, manifest to unmanifest. It manages the masculine and the feminine principles. It relates to the creator. And it's where the sons and daughters emanate from. We then have polarity. In every creation, there is a masculine principle, which is the transmitter, the rod, the aerial, and the feminine principle, the receiver. The ear is feminine and the voice masculine. Only through the law of polarity can creation manifest, which is the law that enables creation to be completed. Can't have a baby without a man and a woman. Instead, says a penis and a vagina. You had to come close to me. So the following paragraphs, now that I'm going to bring out to you, how each of the seven laws operate. 
The law of love. Love is the source of everything that transpires and understanding it frees us from all events. When love is understood, there is nothing more that can happen because liberation from all the process of evolution is reached and matter is no longer necessary for experimenting with the laws because all of them have been understood and also all experiences within the physical worlds have been transcended. However, even though it has reached its complete evolution, consciousness will continue in its dynamism in a mysterious way. The creation of the universe is the response to the absolute purpose his or her children, that they be able to co codify in their innocent consciousness all of the information of the universe and of the laws that govern it, and in this way become one with themselves or with the creator. The creator of the universe does this so that it fulfills the function of being his or her children's school, taking the total information that exists in the absolute. Everything which occurs in the universe occurs because of love. We recognize the law of love in everything that is eternal, perfect, pure, peaceful, joyful, harmonious, happy. Regardless of anything else happening, there may be clash with our beliefs, because love does not belong to the concepts. Beliefs, feelings and emotions that we experience as human beings are only to mental understanding and permanent consciousness. In daily life, we begin to live in love when we are ready to respect all living beings in their functions, experiences and behaviours, and stop using any type of aggression, imposition, prohibition, punishment or blame, and let go once and for all of ideas about evil, injustice, Confrontation, power, and dominance. The law of manifestation. The law of manifestation allows the pre-existing or unmanifest to be manifested in all that which is created. That's from the most subtle to the most dense and is the origin of every thought, idea, word, and deed. It is impossible to imagine, think, or create something that does not already exist in the unmanifest as part of the absolute information of the pre-existing universe. So any processes of what we call creation is merely the result of manifestation acting on polarity. It is not actually something new. In the absolute is to be found the information used for the manifestation and creation of suns, planets, plants, animals, humans, and in general, of everything that exists and occurs in the universe. Because the absolute isn't a temporal dimension, the 40th dimension, shall we say. We cannot speak of before or after, but the state of eternal presence. In the unmanifest absolute, past and future can be observed simultaneously because the states where time can be measured correspond in the lower dimensions, where the learning experiences for understanding are had, i.e. in the three physical dimensions and in the six mental dimensions. Therefore, only up to the ninth dimension can one speak of time and space and of before and after. That makes so much sense to me now. Beyond the tenth dimension, past and future are observed simultaneously. That's why things can arrive straight away when I'm viewing something from those dimensions and above. And when it, we can bring them back to the present moment. Because there is no past or future, it is as is. So we're viewing, they don't like us viewing. So care should be taken not to confuse the non-physical with the unmanifest. For example, thought is non-physical, but it manifests in the mind, which is also non-physical. Dreams also are not to be found in a physical dimension. That does not mean they're not real, just that they manifest in other non-physical dimensions. Then we have the law of polarity. Creation, movement and understanding occur between opposites. The law of polarity controls the interaction between masculine and feminine poles in the universe, from divine creation to the most complex matters, passing through spiritual, human, animal, plant, mineral and atomic levels of the universe. 
The law of polarity makes it possible for everything to manifest in what we call creation, causing the movement, dynamism, and evolution that are expressed in everything that exists and happens as a result of the principles of polarity. The absolute dimension, the 40th dimension, or unmanifest absolute, is adrogynous. That is, it contains both the masculine and feminine principles simultaneously. It's neither masculine nor feminine, yet it is both masculine and feminine. The masculine principle is transmitter and creator, and the feminine, feminine principle is receiver and container. This is the reason why God, or the universe, the masters, and the angels are generally referred to in the masculine, because to transmit any type of information, whether it be to create, teach, or guide, transmit characteristics, which are masculine in themselves, must be used. However, transmitters cannot achieve any manifestation without the receiver because the characteristics of the feminine principles are needed to receive information. And that's often why when we're bringing through a female, not always, but a female energy, because a male energy will arrive with it. So it's being transmitted. So it's also the learning and the maintaining creations and the processes of operation. So the law operates basically through the mutual attraction of complementary elements, which is the con constituent basis of all matter. Atoms exist because protons and electrons are attracted to each other. Molecules are created by the complementary magnetism. The masculine and the feminine are attracted to each other to give birth to a new life. The smooth complements the rough, the soft, the hard, the floppy, the stiff, the bright, the dark, the difficult, the easy, the long, the brief, the tall, the short, the fat, the thin, the action, the result. Polarity is expressed in this way to give rise to the diversity and interactions that generate the necessary experience for human beings to reach understanding of the universe and the perfect laws that govern it. Polarity is not the same as equilibrium, which implies harmony. It is interaction, which is totally different. Once something has been created, it can be in a state of equilibrium or disequilibrium. And this has to do with the law of harmony. But polarity is not related to equilibrium, but to the attraction of complementary opposites, such as the masculine and the feminine, because without both of them, there is no possibility of any creation. Lastly, all the matter of the universe is feminine because it is what receives the information. It's the law of evolution. We need to transform ourselves in order to evolve. Law revolution is what enables us to move to levels of greater satisfaction by developing consciousness. Doing this entails taking advantage of the seeing, seeming problems that life presents, which in reality are merely the necessary opportunities to reach understanding of the laws and find the partial truths that are the path to encountering the universal truths and ascending. The law of evolution works by pitting opposites against each other, thereby triggering the confrontations of all our ideas, beliefs, cultures, customs, feelings, and emotions. It allows disequilibrium and apparent absurdity to be within the law. And that is what not is, and that what is not correspondent in a place to manifest. Create circumstances that go against the inferior laws, acting as anti-law before those laws. It contradicts nature, harmony, and correspondence. For this reason, it is also called the law of inverse flow. Because the existence of the law can only be discovered by going against it in the way that the current of the river can only be recognized by going against it. In other words, a force can only be measured by putting up resistance to it.
So it's like negative energy. I don't put up resistance to it. I know it's going one way or another. I'm not going to argue with it. So I'm not going to hold resistance. So from the individual point of view, we recognise that the law is working through pain, suffering, anxiety, and physical and mental illness, while socially is recognised in social ills, poverty, insecurity, abusive authority, sexual aggression, theft, and in general, everything that has to do with corruption. We are acting within the law of evolution when we are engaged in, our own, in or allowing learning, because this law requires all processes that are conducive to learning, however difficult that may seem to us and does not allow anyone to prevent or limit the experiences necessary to produce the verification and understanding of the laws that govern the perfect order of the universe. The purpose of the law of evolution is for us to verify what does not work, what is false, and to transform those beliefs into truth and wisdom. Thanks to this law, each of us can move from a state of ignorance to one of wisdom, in which we are invulnerable to any outside influences because we are able to take decisions from within ourselves since we know exactly what does work. So within the evolutionary process that makes it possible to move from the ignorance to wisdom, one finds three types of characters who act within the parameters of the law as they understand it. We call these the bad character, the good character, and the wise character. Though in fact there are no good or bad people, just certain levels of ignorance accumulated in our mind and personality. Unlike the bad character, the good character has reached a level of profound feeling, but both are ignorant of the laws. Each of these three figures serves as an extremely important function within the evolutionary process of human beings. The bad character is needed. It's an individual who in their process of evolution has not yet developed the feeling of kindness and therefore does not concern themselves with the problems of others, nor do they attempt to extracite others from their learning processes. This is someone who is complementary ignorant of the law. The effect of a bad character on the good is to provide contrast so that they recognise the existence of the law, because the feeling of the good character often leads them to violate the law of correspondence with the result that their lives are filled with innumerable difficulties. The bad character does not interfere with the law of correspondence, but is outside the law of harmony. The good character is an individual who has already developed feelings towards their neighbour because they have gone further in the development of consciousness. However, they are also totally ignorant of the law. Therefore, without realising it, they try and prevent other people's learning processes or experiences. The effect of the good character on the bad is to show them more harmonious options for living and facilitate the development of their feelings because, in general, their human relationships are appalling. So from an evolutionary point of view, those with feelings are somewhat more developed than those without. They have gone one step further. The evolutionary distance between the bad character and the good will often be bigger than one step further. It will be a step because the consequences are ex exponential. In any case, one cannot go backwards in evolution, and therefore someone who has already developed feelings cannot go back to not having them, but will keep going forwards. Once feelings have been experienced as a tool for self-knowledge and spiritual development, and we have become aware of the existence of the laws of the universe, it is possible to recognise that feelings are of no benefit, that we must move towards desensitisation in order to act as the wise character. The wise character, that's an individual who stopped being ignorant, because they understood the principles of the laws of nature, harmony, correspondence and evolution. As a result, they respect everyone's experiences and are always ready to serve and to teach at the appropriate time, without interfering in their learning. The wise does not place blame. The function of the wise character is to set an example and teach. Therefore, they do not get involved in the activities of the good or the bad characters. They are generally successful in everything they do. They manage resources with wisdom. They are at peace. They do not interfere in the destinies of others. They enjoy very good human relationships. The wise character always teaches how to fish. They do not provide the fish. 
And we cannot move directly from the level of being unfeeling to being desensitized, but must first go through the intermediate stage characterized by the kind feelings in the same way that it is not possible to pass directly from innocence to wisdom. Ignorance is a prior step that cannot be omitted. To successfully understand the law, destiny must be utilized as an opportunity for learning. And to do that, we can use our mission as a basis. Destiny is recognized as everything that takes effort and presents different levels of difficulty. Our mission manifests as everything we like to do, what we do best, most easily, and that which we must, we must identify. So in life, it is more important to fulfill our destiny than to carry out our mission, because fulfilling our destiny enables us to learn what we do not know and to understand the law in order to evolve in the development of our consciousness. Our mission enables us to teach others what we already know in order to maintain our inner energy high. But although it does not directly contribute anything new to our consciousness, it does contribute to the consciousness of others and to the earth. This makes it possible for the spiritual growth of others to have a positive impact on our own growth. The law of evolution is the foundation to establish the parameters of the experiences of destiny that are meant for each individual. Hence, there is no fate or luck in the circumstances surrounding the life of each human being. The place where they are born, the race to which they belong, specific genetic structure that determines their temperament and physical and mental potentials. Some would say the sign of the zodiac also influences them. The culture and beliefs that they acquire, as well as the functions that they have to carry out, and in general, all the situations that can affect people's lives are wisely determined. They are therefore perfect for the specific learning of the evolutionary stage at which each individual finds themselves and for satisfying the needs of consciousness until its total development is complete. By understanding the principles of the law of evolution, processes and events of everyday life on Earth, as well as the rationale behind social, physical and economic, religious and political differences among human beings, can be better understood. Therefore, we can no longer speak of unfairness, but of the correspondence of experiences, individual destinies and the very needs of each individual. So, the fifth, that's the law of correspondence. This is the law that governs the universal order. It determines the arrangement of time, space, location, action, function of all living beings and the relevant limits of the field of action of the different species. Once the type of experience required has been determined, together with the appropriate characteristics and locations of developing a function or a specific learning experience, the law of correspondence creates the circumstances so that in each place, only that which is meant for that place and the people that inhabit it manifest and happens. For this reason, in each place, only that which must exist and happen does, so that nothing happens to anyone that is not meant to happen to them. The circumstances not meant to happen to them, the result, I would have said, is interchangeable. The law is recognizing in everything that can be done, and it is useful or useless to go against it. It is verified in what we cannot achieve, however much we want it, however much we strive and struggle. The best approach is the case to give up. Once we have verified the presence of a law, by giving up, going against it, we will place ourselves back again in the order of the universe. If, however, we insist on something that is not meant for us, <coughs> a job, a relationship, we'll be acting against the law of correspondence, which is not only futile, but also generates every block imaginable. If we know things are given, we do not know they're blocked. If we encounter blocks, then we should cease thinking of anyone but ourselves, and in this way, we set ourselves in order of the universe. The law of correspondence determines where, when, how, and to whom 
the specific learning experiences designed by the universe to happen or to be shared with, in accordance with the need for evolution, as well as the functions that they are to perform in the chosen location. Similarly, it determines the mission of love and service that each person is to perform to whom they are to provide the relevant service. Sex, race, parents, nationality and functions of an individual have already been determined long before they're born. All right, and now I'm being told I've got John in my ear. So disregard that if you can for the moment. I'm going to get you what the law of correspondence actually means is what I'm being given. It is the law that governs the universal order. It determines the arrangement. Of time, space, location. Even functions or the actions. That's our learning process. Because otherwise, none of the other laws would matter, I'm being told because the action would already be determined. So yes, there can be an experience required. It might be predetermined, but it's up to us in the physical form to spot that. And yes, we could end up with the appropriate characteristics. We'll have chosen those ourselves from the personal, I hope we've got those, from how we've picked people born. So that we can, function through the specific learning experience. The law of correspondence creates the circumstances so that the places and people that are meant to inhabit our lives come into our lives. But he disagrees that nothing happens to anyone that is not meant to happen. Well, things happen to everyone that it's meant to happen. We've got choice. So technically, you could look at it two ways. If we've got a choice, then it's potentially could happen. Yes, at some point in our evolution, it's meant to happen on both paths, so we've got a comparison, yin and yang. But not in each life. People can take this wording, John's saying, totally incorrectly. And that will create a block in itself of the law of correspondence. Cheers, John. So acceptance would be the law would be would also come into this. That's how we'd set ourselves into order with the universe. The law of correspondence determines when, where, how, and whom a civic learning experience designed by the universe has happened. But we'll only encounter those, so it's not a it's not an absolute, because only encounter those by previous decisions. You'll be able to think into the past and think, well, I could have said no to this and then it wouldn't have brought me here. So therefore, an experience then wasn't meant to happen, which would send you down a different path. Just like those old books where you could choose to go to a different page by a different answer. So it doesn't mean that they're not formulated, but they don't know where the actual outcome of your life is going to be. There are potentials along the way. So you may have chosen the sex, the race, your parents, nationality and function before you were born. And the potential to their necessary experiences, the destiny and the mission, so that you can raise your consciousness, evolve.
But what he does agree with is all human beings, without exception, are in the perfect place to learn exactly what's brought them to the physical world. Whether they do discover that, it's down to their personal choices, their freedom. So in addition, we... We should always carry out a dual function, which is to learn and to teach. But it's only if we've come to a wake up enough with our consciousness will that become the case. And we read this out, and then I'll discuss. A father asked his two adult sons what business they wanted to set up. One of the sons, let's call him A, was very keen on sport and wanted to open a gym. The other son, who we'll call B, didn't know what he wanted, so he copied his brother and asked his father to open a gym for him too. The father set up two gyms for them in different parts of the city. But A thrived while B ended in ruin, complaining that his gym was not as well located as his brother's. They changed places. A went to run B's gym and vice versa. Before long, B failed once again and A was very successful. What was happening? Well, A came into the world to run a gym, and B did not. What was his function? He is not good or bad, it was just not for him. And he hadn't woken up to see that. So he may not have risen or ascended at all in the life, unless he'd chosen to change the path he was on. So difficult situations are not unfair, but they may not be meant for you. Could be saying you're on the wrong path. There are no unfair circumstances. Everything has a purpose, a reason. It happens in our lives when it needs to happen. So what is happening now and what will happen in the generations of our own correspondence, and therefore we have no reason to blame anything or anybody for it. It can just be a sign. That's nice better. Thank you, John. That's the first time we disagree with any of this anyway. So the law of harmony. Everything that is maintained tends towards equilibrium. This is the law of synchronization which permits the perfect coordinated function of everything that exists and happens. It is static when it provides organisation and enables things to be perfectly arranged how they are meant to be, and dynamic when it contributes sequence and syn synchrony for the movement, operation or performance of something. The law of harmony manifests in everything that is maintained and coexists. We can recognise it in all that interacts in the natural kingdom for life to continue in the day and night, in the seasons, in the interaction of species, in designs of defence and non-aggression, in principles of non-reaction and socialisation, in tolerance and in general, in all events in which a force or energy is involved in pursuit of the equilibrium and maintenance of the whole system. The law regulates the times of action and recovery, like for example the length of natural cycles and rhythms, or the arrangements of space so that one individual does not invade another. It also regulates human relationships in the agreements that we reach. Similarly, it manifests in the proportion and harmonic distribution of the components of everything that produces a sense of pleasure and beauty. The law of harmony is always present in anything that pleases, attracts and produces great satisfaction. We recognise that we are outside of the law of harmony when we experience dissatisfaction, suffering, anguish, stress, limited resources and difficulty in relationships or emotional conflicts. Psychological trauma will often be the consequence of being outside the law of harmony in teaching processes with children. However, it is precisely by going against harmony that we learn to recognise the existence of the law. We are within the law of harmony when we experience high levels of personal satisfaction 
excellent human relationships based on respect, acceptance, cordiality and kindness, which produce a deep sense of pleasure. Also, when we act with functional and aesthetic spaces and we set out to enjoy ourselves, learning from the different situations that life presents us with. And we willingly decide to eliminate learned or self-imposed limitations from our minds and overcome psychological traumas and the fear that they trigger in us. By deciding to flow with the law of harmony, we can begin a new experience in life, which will lead to our relationship being non-conflictive. The key technique for harmony is respect, which is expressed by accepting and supplementing personal experiences with those of others. Harmony is directly related to being flexible, learning to give away, give away seeking agreements and knowing how to compromise. Because it's all a process of equilibrium, harmonisation. It's a profound mental exercise. Sometimes, though, we can mistake being in harmony for being in love. But they are different laws. In the centre of the scale, there is a point that does not move. Regardless of what happens with the law of harmony, it is love. Harmony regulates the balance between the extremes of the scale, but love is not affected by it. We can be in equilibrium without, processing, without possessing anything of love, and be in love without there being any equilibrium. So lastly then, the law of nature. Everything that is born dies. The law of nature is horizontal and manifests within certain vi vibratory limits. That is, its actions unfold only on the dense plane. So everything that is born dies, but every energy lives on. John has just said. So the law of nature is horizontal and manifests within certain vibratory limits. That is, its actions unfold only in the dense plane of matter, and it cannot operate vertically on any of the other laws that govern the subtle and follow it, following hierarchy. All the laws act on the law of nature simultaneously. Superior acts on the inferior, never the other way. This law establishes the fundamental structure of matter from the processes of manifestation by providing, by providing and maintaining the bodies of all species of living beings, as a result of which it is also called Mother Nature. It governs the densent manifestations, that is, all that we call physical worlds, and it determines the characteristics and functions of all bodies within the consciousness, within, with which the consciousness develops. The law of nature manifests through four great realms of creation. Mineral, vegetable, animal, and human it is recognized in their natural state, in the, harm, in the harmony of the manifestation, and the equilibrium that all species maintain within the immense diversity of creation. It can also be observed in the state of purity and constant renewal of all species of living beings, and in the perfection of the generic and genetic combinations, functioning of which is based on the reproduction and repetition of the processes that keep the bodies in perfect condition of health and vitality. The law does not allow the deterioration or degeneration of species, which it destroys implicably when, the, when for some reason they become weak. Nature is perfect and its alterations are the result of violating the law of nature. This may occur due to an external action committed by higher law, which alters the normal state of harmony and perfection of nature, producing as a consequence the weakening of immune systems, hereditary defects, malformations, hybrids, environmental pollution, disease, degenerative processes, However, this all serves to recognise the presence of the law of nature and to learn to respect and obey it. Once we recognise which law governs the natural process, we can find ourselves in four states. Unawareness of the law, which is innocence. Transgression of the law, ignorance. Awareness of the law, wisdom. Conscious transcendence. Now that's mastery. 
We act within the law of nature when we follow our instincts, which is like the mind of nature. All the necessary processes for keeping species in a perfect state of health are engraved in the instinct. This law acts through constant reproduction, natural selection, and the depredation that makes up the food chains. It codes, its code is binary because it does not admit midpoints between birth and death, like imperfection, weakness, or illness. Instinct is our natural behavior and it is controlled by part of the brain called the reptilian brain. Basic instinctive functions include to generate life mating, maintaining it, nourishing, and defending it, survival. Thanks to the processes of civilization, human beings have lost our instinctive guidance in the aspect of maintaining health as a result of which we sometimes do not know what, when, or how much to eat or how to combine foods. The instinct knows all this by nature. We have gradually desensitized it and it would therefore be important to renew these capabilities. Instinct is not rational or emotional. It is automatic. It's unconscious. It is the, the generic codes, genetic codes. But it is not ignorant or selfish. It is insensitive insofar as it does not manage feelings. All it seeks is physical satisfaction for the equilibrium of its health. That cannot be called selfishness. Instinct also marks the territory of its group. <coughs> it is territorial and protective of its litter and direct the evolutionary advantages. Instinct does not hoard. It uses what it needs. And it is perfect provided that it is used for its purpose and not for anything else. Tell me if you stockpile toilet roll then. The idea is to start managing instinct by observing what our body tells us handle conflicts, however, and to make progress in our spiritual development. We should not follow instinct, nor fight or flee. It's better to use reason or understanding, and we do that habitually. We will ultimately end up by switching off the automatic defense system or instinct for survival, because it will not be necessary. The law of nature is very strong, but it handles much less information than the other laws. It has the strength of a bull, but we need to learn how to tame it so that it obeys us, and we do not have to fight with it. So the definitions of the love law. Love is the source of everything that transpires and understands it frees us from all events in order to confer on the universe's children. All the information that exists in absolute. <coughs> so the divine creates the universe, which will be his or her children's school, the energy school. Everything which occurs in the universe occurs because of love. Living in peace and joy is to live in love. Respecting the experiences of others and being ready to serve them, not subject to any conditions, is to express love in human relations. <coughs> Manifestation, nothing is created, nothing disappears, all is manifest or unmanifest. At source, all is unmanifest at a neutral point called absolute, which is the 40th dimension, supposedly. We recognize it in the thinking of inventors and in everything that can be created or done. Polarity. Creation, movement, and understanding occur between opposites. Polarity is engraved within us in our genetic memory, sexual identity, that of instinct, sexual behavior, that of destiny. The need to learn. <coughs> and in our memory, consciousness, as the need to teach. No one can evolve without transforming themselves. Evolving consists of taking advantage of difficulties and learning from them. Evolution, the bad character, the unfeeling, the good character, the sensitive, and the wise character, the desensitized. Equivalent to the internal process of moving from innocence to ignorance to wisdom. It operates by bringing opposites together. Correspondence, that was the place for everything, that everything has a place. The arrangement of time and space. 
Things won't happen that I'm meant to. If I was giving up fighting against anything or anyone, harmony, everything that is manifest tends towards an equilibrium. It's the law of synchronization, which permits the perfect coordinated functioning of everything that exists and happens. So it's recognized in day and night, the seasons, the tolerance, socialism, and in all events that tend towards equilibrium. It operates by regulating times of action and recovery. The key technique for harmony is respect, which is expressed by accepting and supplementing personal experiences with those of others. But if you come to think of it, harmony, we keep being told spiritual war is about balance. Balance is harmony. But they're trying to get balance too. It's not being a sheep, not being herded, not being collected into fear. Yes, it's a personal choice. But it was going off the scale, effectively taking away day and only leaving us with a night. So we come back to teach respect. Getting us to look at personal experiences rather than society's experiences. But they're telling us we should experience. And we're not following our internal guidance of experiences. So that's where the op operating from at the moment. Nature, everything that is born dies in the physical world. So a horizontal law is actions unfold and the dense plane of matter. We act within the law when we follow our instincts in its three functions. That's to generate life, mating, maintaining it, feeding ourselves, and defending it, survival. 